I would say you'll see people taking risks on both. We don't want to be risking either because we want to be in the Nifty 50 companies, right? Now, of course, we are also surprised you don't know exactly how these markets develop. But ultimately, we find that a product with strong pull for the consumer and strong business model innovation with underlying unit economics are the early indicators of a very large market. And so the combination of the exceptional entrepreneur and a very large market builds that nifty 50 company, right? And so that's what Epic is focused on. Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to Startup Fridays, weekly conversations with accomplished entrepreneurs and VC investors. I'm Hariarakli, and in this episode, Rishi Navani, founder and managing partner at Epic Capital, a growth stage VC firm, talks about never losing sight of the core idea of venture capital, which is to make substantial returns on the money his investors entrust him with. Over the 25 years that he's been backing ventures, including previously co-founding Metrix Partners India, Rishi's way of doing this is to not spend time on how he can add value to an entrepreneur or startup, he says. Instead, he seeks founders who are so good that they don't need his help, just the capital. Rishi also talks about a less spoken about aspect of entrepreneurial success, which in his view is about how successful founders behave day after day for years together. Okay, I'm, I'm going to dive into this. Awesome, look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, uh, in the startup scene, I don't think you all need any introduction. Folks know you. Many well-known startups have been backed by you early on and so on. I think for a more general audience, you know, just tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, give us a quick snapshot of math distinction to VC investment, I mean, metrics and epic um, yeah, give us an overview. We'll go from there. Sure. So um, I grew up in Mumbai. Uh, both my uh, uh, parents are business people. One was in real estate, one was in auto services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I did my undergrad at Northwestern University, uh, studied honors math. There was a specialty program called Mathematical Methods in the Social Sciences, mm-hmm. combined with economics. Um, had a great stint at Northwestern, got a bachelor's with distinction. Uh, and uh, then uh, worked for a year at uh, a consulting firm in Chicago, where I graduated called A.T. Carney. Uh, and was then very fortunate in 1996, moved back to India. And a gentleman called Pradeep Shah, who I'm eternally grateful to, gave me my first job in the business mm-hmm. uh, as an analyst uh, in Mumbai uh, at Indocean. So that's how I started in the business. Uh, did that for a couple of years. Went to Wharton for my MBA, summer at McKinsey. Uh, and, you know, I'll tell you probably one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, finished first in my class at Wharton uh, and won the Ford, Ford Fellowship Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I'm a Wharton MBA, uh, did US, uh, investing for one year, but, you know, didn't have any passion for that, mm-hmm. uh, and then joined, uh, what was then a new effort called Westbridge Capital Partners. Right. Uh, and, uh, 
Hari was very fortunate uh, over the next four years, got to see the emergence, early emergence of venture capital in India. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, was also fortunate, got promoted every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at age 30, made managing director from the outside. I mean, essentially, I was hired. Uh, and uh, then the following year, the entrepreneurial bug bit me and uh, I left to start Matrix Partners India. Uh, so, uh, and uh, recruited my partner, Avnish, to join me. Uh, he's uh, obviously was an entrepreneur who started Bazi. Uh, and Avnish wanted to start a hedge fund, uh, but uh, convinced him that venture capital was the way to go. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's how Matrix India started, right? And uh, um, we did that for 10 years. Uh, a lot of how we built Matrix India was investing in exceptional entrepreneurs. Uh, very early days for India, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I, I would say, you know, big challenge was we just didn't have market size for a long time. Uh, and in 2012, 2013, that changed because... The mobile internet came, came, came. I mean, effectively, smartphones came, right. came, right? Um, and then every uh, in 2016, I realized my passion is growth, late stage investing, and there's an opportunity to build a matrix-like firm in that uh, at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ventured out to start my own brand called Epic Capital. Uh, and uh, so that that that's how Epic Capital came about. Same focus on exceptional entrepreneurs. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I would say Matrix India was built on investing in exceptional entrepreneurs and a very hardworking, ferocious team, which I built from the ground up. Uh, and then Epic Capital is, you know, applying a lot of the learnings you learned over 10 years uh, and doing it at a growth stage. Uh, which, which frankly, I enjoy more. Uh, and so I've been building up Epic Capital for the last five years. And now I feel like we've reached scale also at Epic Capital. Mm. Well, what is your definition of growth stage? Typically, what kind of entrepreneurs, startups? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say bread and butter, series C and D. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the alphabets can be confusing. We do, we do series B. We don't do Series A, uh, and we've done a Series I on the other side. So, mm-hmm. it, but generally not Series A and not pre-IPO. Okay, okay, all right, yeah. So the epic, uh, the name, the etymology that you sent me was really fascinating, and I think uh, something worth uh, highlighting for our listeners as well. I mean, tell us a bit about uh, how you thought about the name, and you know what to you what it signifies. Yeah, so look, I'll just uh, take a second and, uh, you know, just say it in a very simple way, right? We invest in exceptional entrepreneurs. I have always wanted to build exceptional things, right? So whether it was Matrix from day one, we want, and I'm a perfectionist by personality. So... Uh Uh, we want to, you know, want to build something that is truly exceptional and stands out. Uh, and so epic, obviously. Um, then, uh, you know, we've got a Dharm Chakra in the, in the symbol, um, you know, uh, an infinity sign, which obviously hopefully bodes well for returns. And uh, 
you know, thus far we've generated uh, close to industry leading uh, rates of return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the focus has always been to generate very high return on capital. I mean, as an investor, you know, our scorecard is returns. We can talk about whatever else, but ultimately a scorecard is returns. So mm-hmm. it is about being epic. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's refreshing to uh, speak with an investor who just comes right out and says, this is what we stand for. You know, when an investor says, this is our focus, it's at the end of the day, it's how much money we make for our investors. I think it's makes for a very <laughs> refreshing opening to a conversation. Uh, very nice that you put it that way. Um, no, if I were to be even more direct, Hari, um, an investor gives you money to get back more with a high return. I mean, what is the other what is the other goal? So what are we, what, what am I as a managing partner of the fund? I'm a return generating machine. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's, why, that's why people give me money. I mean, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we do a lot of good work. We have impact. We invest in extraordinary companies. We help them scale. Uh, all of those good things happen as part of this process. But ultimately, you know, if I tell an investor, hey, look, we invested in great companies, we built a great team, but we didn't generate much of a return. That's that's not a success case. Mm. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. I mean, you uh, started uh, an investment-focused journey and even your VC journey fairly early on. Um, can you look back at uh, what gave you that clarity of thought in terms of how you always wanted to be a VC investor in your career? Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I just celebrated my 50th birthday uh-huh. and I started in the investment business when I was 23 years old. And I I was in business school for two years. So. Basically, I'm 25 years out of the last 27 I've been doing this, right? I think uh, right after I graduated college, essentially, I got interested in investing. I started reading about it, all those types of things. And then was very lucky to get an opportunity at Indotion when I was 23, right? Mm. Now, I think the, the higher order question is, why am I still doing this? And why did I not consider other paths or whatever else? So I think it's just a great fit for my personality. So uh, ultimately, why didn't I not become a tech entrepreneur? I don't like managing large reams of people. I don't like doing, you know, the different functions that go into building a company. I'm just being honest. I don't. I like the variety of what venture investing gives me right so um uh, so we are constantly dealing with change and there's constantly new opportunities uh it keeps you young and fresh right number one number two um um we're dealing with very smart people in the epic business model you know i get to work with piyush bansal mukesh bansal umang bedi Harsimar uh, Beach Singh, uh, you know, fabulous entrepreneurs, right? It's a privilege to work with these people. It's also intellectually very stimulating. Uh, work with a very smart group of people within the firms, right? So within our firm. So 
the engagement that you have is really fantastic. And I like diversity of work. I don't like to be doing the same thing. Mm. Uh, and so uh, those are the reasons, uh, you know, this is great for me. And frankly, I've always been highly ambitious to generate a lot of wealth. And clearly this profession affords that opportunity also. Mm. But ultimately, Hari, I'm also an entrepreneur. I just happen to be in the investment business. Mm, fair enough. Uh, I want to, I will get back to the personal journey again down the line uh, a bit more. Uh, one of the things you said um, caught my interest. I mean, how the whole startup scene, VC scene in India has changed, you know, since you started earlier on when you said there was no hardly any market. Um you know, kind of walk us through from your perspective, some of the most important changes you've seen, you know, along the way. Sure. So look, if I go back to 1996, the first big change is IT services showing, becoming significant. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about that, that told us that global companies that can be built out of India, Infosys, Wipro, TCS, others, right? Mm -hmm. So large global companies that can be built out of India, probably the first steps towards scale was Y2K, mm -hmm. right? It also brought money into the hands of people to spend. So it was, it actually created the first consumer market, right, in India. That inflection point was 2004, 2004 through seven was a fantastic period in, in, in India's economy, right? Uh, but all of this was still early then, you know, seeing all this excitement, too much money came into the business in 2007 and 8. Mm -hmm. And we realized the desktop internet is a very shallow market. Uh, so we, we are drawing all these charts against the US and China, but we have no users. Uh, and we don't have much per capita income. Uh, that changed with mobile telephone. And uh, essentially, the, more importantly, the smartphone. Uh, and so 2012-13, the mobile internet really catapulted India because that's something everyone in the country could have, right? Uh, and so the desktop internet was a shallow market, but the mobile internet became a large market, right? Now, th that brought phase one of growth and excitement. Then the rollout of Reliance Geo brought cheap data. So... Suddenly, that was the next wave where uh, essentially data penetration grew and everyone was using it in significant measure. So engagement came, came with that, right? And now, I think the last pieces of this are, we just need to be a larger economy. And now we are three plus trillion going towards six trillion. So I keep saying 2030, this decade is about the $5 trillion India digital opportunity. Mm. Uh, we, we went, we've grown 20x to 500 billion in the last decade, and we'll grow 10x to 5 trillion in this decade. So that's a, that's a very large uh, increase. But let's see also what's changed on the ground. The quality of entrepreneurs, the development of the ecosystem, venture financing, New entrepreneurs starting companies wherein they've been at the leading companies, uh, the Lenskarts, the Paytms, the Olas, 
um, Flipkarts and other companies, they've had experience there and then they're now coming to start, start their own companies, right? So before, the people who started, uh, you know, Flipkart and Lenskart didn't have any ecosystem to get any experience in. Um, uh, they had to kind of figure out everything on their own. Uh, and so now a lot of the entrepreneurs are coming with this experience built in, right? So, so what is the result? In 2010, at Matrix, we used to say 100 million in eight years is success. We have three companies in our portfolio that have reached 100 million in three years. 100 million of revenue. Market size has changed and entrepreneurs know how to scale fast. Otherwise, you're not going to have both these things. This will result in greater billion-dollar company creation and higher IRRs for investors, uh, ultimately. Uh, so these are the things you can see. There's a maturation all around in whether it is the size of the market, how people attack the market, how people hire people, the, the experience of the people, experience of the venture capitalists, different modes of funding available, We've gone through various, uh, you know, trials and tribulations with that also. But even that has matured. Mm. It just occurred to me, would the next wave be now that some of these entrepreneurs that you spoke about that you have backed and others in the ecosystem as well are now ready to make money as well? I mean, Paytm is a classic example, right? I mean, there's no doubt that they have created massive value for millions of users uh, across sort of society. I mean... Having put in all the hard work, built a lot of the underlying infrastructure that was not there, so they had to spend the money, take the time, make the effort to build it. Are they now ready to make money? Yeah, so I think again, um, so I'll, 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 I'll just tell you, um, six companies recently have gone public, right? So Zomato, uh, you know, started this wave uh, and we know all the others, Delivery, Paytm, Nika, and others, right? The public markets, and, and by the way, I believe 30, 50 of them will be public over the next three to five years. So mm -hmm. this is just a wave one, right? Um, the public markets are demanding profitability and higher return on capital, right? Uh, this will be forced down into the, into the late stage market automatically, right? Because... Um, you'll have secondary markets and you'll have public markets, but you know, uh, essentially to go public, you need to follow the rules of the public market at some level, right? I think we are not, you know, as mature as the US public market where we'll allow a lot of unprofitable, uh, lack of profitability to persist for a long period of time. Our own portfolio, we start selecting companies with strong unit economic models. Um, Lenskart is on track to be billion dollars of revenue next year. It's an EBITDA positive business today, significantly. It's a free cash flow positive business. I say, you know, it could be a public company today. Uh, they just uh, closed a $500 million secondary transaction. Why could that could be an IPO? Uh, a $500 million share sale is, is, is definitely the size of an IPO, right? Uh, but I'm seeing across the board, in heady times like 2021, profitability is forgotten. In times like 22 and 23, I think this is part of the maturation of the ecosystem. Now that we have scale, 
and size, and that's coming. We are now focused on building healthy businesses. And I think it's the process is well underway and you'll have better and better prepared public companies coming in the future. Mm. Okay. So tell us more about uh, Epic itself. I mean, explain your investment philosophy, the Epic model. And I think you're currently putting together your next fund as well. So just tell us about all of that. Yeah. So across uh, two funds, uh, we have over $300 million of uh, assets under management, AUM. Uh, and um, we have eight portfolio companies across the uh, across Epic. We are in the process of closing a ninth investment. Uh, and um, I would say, you know, some of our most prominent companies, Lenskart, Daily Hunt, uh, CureFit, Pristine Care, and others, right? Park Plus and others, right? Now, uh, what is the Epic philosophy? So. Epic is built to invest in the next next tech nifty 50. So your first question will be, what does that mean? The $5 trillion digital market means that if you look at the nifty 50, which is the index of the 50 largest companies in India, I think some significant majority of these companies are going to be tech companies come 2030. The driver of the nifty 50 is going to be tech companies, right? Mm. So we want to be in those companies that are $50 billion or more, right? And uh, ultimately, what, so we are not interested in the billion-dollar company or $3 billion company. We want to be in the really large companies, right? So that's how we think. Now, the really large companies have two main elements. The first is an absolutely exceptional founder. And I'm saying a very high bar. So, you know, Piyush Bansal, Mukesh Bansal, these are very high quality founders, right? You could argue two of the 10 best in the country, right? Uh, now, so those are the types of people Epic wants to invest in, right? Second, you need a very large market because without a very large market, you cannot build a very large company, right? Uh, and so I would say, you'll see people taking risks on both. We don't want to be risking either because we want to be in the nifty 50 companies, right? Now, of course, we are also surprised you don't know exactly how these markets develop. But ultimately, we find that a product with strong pull for the consumer and strong business model innovations with underlying unit economics are the early indicators of a very large market. And so the combination of the exceptional entrepreneur and a very large market build that nifty 50 company, right? And so that's what Epic is focused on. Long-term investment in very significant companies. Epic's core is investing in exceptional founders. That's what we focus on as a business. With the end goal of generating a very high return on capital. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, our first fund, uh, uh, after uh, three plus years, we are, you know, closer to 40% IRR. Uh, my career track record in growth stage investing is 56% IRR. Uh, and so we are looking to generate high returns on capital. Mm. And and how does that compare with, is there a, like a, a VC industry average? Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, so, sure. So I think, uh, 
you know, if you look, uh, uh, so VC industry average may be a misnomer. Mm. So what, what you will find is the VC industry is has very high returns for a small select group of firms. And then the rest of the industry doesn't do as well. So it's all about investing in the very best companies and investing in the very best fund managers. So everyone thinks VC is a very lucrative business. It's a very lucrative business for a few people, for a few for a few firms, for a few fund managers. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I would say generally uh, an investor in VC would want to see a 30% internal rate of return and a 3x return for an early stage fund. Uh, I, I mean, I would say that's a minimum. Uh, but uh, how many actually do that? Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously it's even harder to do that at growth stage, but we have, uh, you know, uh, early stage bar in general. Okay. The exceptional entrepreneurs that you have backed so far and the ones that you want to identify, can you dive into that a little bit more in the sense, sure. w- what stands out about these guys? Sure, Hari, you're uh, um, basically addressing my favorite subject. But uh, <laughs> look, uh, this is core to Epic. Uh, so I would say um, the first thing is they have a multitude of skills. I, I mean, you don't become build a large company because you do one thing well. Second, they are very smart and pick up things very fast. So they can pick up almost anything very fast. Right. So uh, many years ago, I designed something called the PSC framework. And I'll start with that and tell you more. Passion, self-confidence and critical thinking. Three parameters that you want to see. The really great ones have all three. Right. Now, let's enunciate a bit further. Deep passion to solve a problem. Deep insight into a problem. Phenomenal recruiters of people. Product and customer obsessed. Ultimately, digital companies solve a customer pain point with a product and need to be customer obsessed, right? Strategic thinkers who can see around the corner, visionaries, they can they have a view of that industry that is just fundamentally different, right? Um, strong commercial sense. And then I would say hard work and persistence. And people underestimate this. To build multi-billion dollar companies, the next Nifty 50, it's 10 years, 15 plus hours a day, six days a week, five to six days a week. How many people have that kind of drive? How do you sustain motivation for 10 plus years at those levels? Uh, Think of how much they are sacrificing in their personal life to reach there. So I would say... Those are the main attributes and never to forget that entrepreneurship, uh, you know, it generally starts from financial or emotional insecurity. Uh, so that's the, that's, the, that's the psychological angle. But I gave you a good sense of what are the types of things that we are looking for. And then, you know, we are trained. Uh, Hari, we talk about, you know, the 10,000 hour rule, you become good at something, right? I've been uh, trying to identify and work with entrepreneurs for 75,000 hours. Uh, So a lot of this is like 
being a good doctor i saw a patient and i um you know saw that these symptoms existed in one minute and i can say what's wrong with the patient uh it it's not that different for a venture capitalist what is the thing that you said about uh, entrepreneurship stemming from financial emotional insecurity i mean i get that in the sense of you know poor people uh desperate times desperate measures those kinds of things would you know will find really innovative ways of trying to make a living in the context of uh, you know the digital era internet era um, tech enabled entrepreneurs in india what is it that you're saying i mean where does burning desire come from burning desire comes from insecurity where does insecurity come from financial and emotional hardship amongst other things ultimately in the tech business what are entrepreneurs doing they are saying this is an existing world order and it should not work like this there's a better way to do it it's called disruption who gets up in the morning at a young age and says i want to take on the world i have no salary at the outset leave my cushy job be highly qualified have no salary at the outset and i want to take on giants and i want to change the world who in their right mind chooses this you have to have deep passion and desire to change things right i i jokingly say no one normal created anything special enough you know the i mean staying on the exceptional entrepreneurs bit longer um people often talk about uh, uh, steve jobs and apple and and I'm, i picked this example not because it's the most convenient but also because so far the way i understand it you have backed largely consumer focused uh, entrepreneurs um and and i'll get to that part as well in a bit um on the potential enterprise opportunity but you know so people people often say that uh, they were able to create products and services that people did not even know that they wanted but then once those products and services came out very large numbers of you know consumers embraced those products and services so the question i'm driving at is in india do you see some entrepreneurs who have that level of uh, potential yeah so look uh, again i'll say this at a very simple level um you should read piyush's post on independence day on linkedin it it's very inspiring it talks about why effectively he is trying to create an apple, apple or amazon in india global top 100 company right why can't india have a leading tech brand that serves the world right that's what lens lens card is right uh, then there are companies that are you know serving indian uh, consumers in different ways i mean umang bedi and viru gupta are uh, focused on uh providing local language news content short form videos to the local language population in india which is the large part of the diaspora in india at delhi hunt so look uh, i think there are very large opportunities and india is going to be more and more significant by the way we are 75% b2c and 25% b2b so far so uh if you say avi consumer enterprise india is consumer leaning we are consumer leaning we have a better appreciation for the domestic market uh we are entrepreneur first investors b2c b2b is a secondary consideration okay 
that's something i didn't really spot uh give us one example of, a, of an enterprise entrepreneur that you've backed who are doing very well um here's a good plug i will uh, uh send you that name in all of one week we are about to close a very exciting investment uh so i'll i'll tell you a few things about it um they've grown from um you know less than 10 million to over 200 million in the last 3 years in, in in revenue um it's you know profitable cash flow positive business um phenomenal entrepreneur um um obviously with b2b software global in nature uh and uh, you know those are the types of characteristics we look for i mean they are uh you know high ltv to cac business uh high revenue retention business uh lots of other great things okay looking forward to this in a week's time then uh, hopefully i'll get a chance to have them on this podcast as well uh, absolutely we will be happy <laughs> to make the introduction all right today if you look at the tech and tech enabled startup scene in india to your mind uh what are the i guess you've mentioned the strengths what are still missing yeah look i think we are on our way we have all the elements uh at this point we have the entrepreneurs we have the venture capitalists we have the market uh what is missing to have really really large companies right uh i think you need the next level of market size it's coming uh you uh india is 3 trillion it will be 6 trillion in 7, seven to 8 years uh of the 6 trillion uh you know tech share of gdp uh, which is 10ish percent today will go to 35 40% so tech will become more and more significant uh, a lot of value is going to be concentrated in these tech companies right uh and so main thing i would say is two things one is market size just needs to get bigger and second is as this come as the ecosystem matures you'll be able to build deeper and deeper management teams across functions and that helps with rapid scaling and scaling in general it's just experience just mm-hmm. ju- just look at where india is as an entrepreneurial ecosystem today in 2023 versus 10 years ago i mean it's a it's unbelievable to see the change mm. does it make a difference that our entrepreneurs um, no matter how exceptional they are are basically going to be dependent on you know the underlying infrastructure technology that's that's built by an amazon or google or microsoft uh, a salesforce is that an important question or is is it not important i think it's stages of development i think uh... see today india is an application market ultimately the endeavor in india is different right to build a large company you have to serve a very large base of customers because per capita income is not very large right so you it then becomes much more about application right product for the market business model innovation getting the unit economics right uh those are the things that managing cost correctly those are the things that create the very large company at this phase that will change when we have 6 trillion dollar economy you will see much more innovation coming 
deep tech is already on the way but i'm saying a lot of things will change as time goes on but as we stand today to build large companies you need a large user base and you need to tap a, a people with smaller per capita income and therefore you need to have lots of them therefore your product value proposition needs to be very compelling your business model needs to be very strong those are the those, those are the offshoots of where we are today it's all stages in the process mm. i'm just um, i asked this question in, in in the sense that historically um, there are areas where we have done really really well i mean space for example or nuclear power or even today if you look at our missile defense the way it's evolving some so some some of these examples where we seem to have done really well but uh, on the other hand if you look at our consumer facing entrepreneurs if they use a smartphone they have to give away 30% of anything that they sell uh, through an app uh, which is controlled either by google or by apple and governments have had to make you know step in and make rules in south korea for example where you know they've had to uh, try and resolve it by making rules that's not the case in china where they built their own underlying fundamental infrastructure and that's what i'm driving at do you see that happening in india do you see entrepreneurs coming to the fore who will build us that kind of infrastructure i think over time i, I mean look again i say first i'll tell you hari i'm not sure i'm the best forecaster for you know which markets will take off or which platforms will take off i'm an entrepreneur first investor so i'll start with my limitations but uh, we have upi and world leading financial infrastructure in india last i checked it was an indian innovation so again in some areas we leap from and you just need to give it time i think fundamentally i believe in the talent of the indian entrepreneur two of the four largest big tech companies in the world are run by indian ceos microsoft and google what other evidence are you seeking <laughs> the we have the talent is there the quest the question has always been when will the market emerge and ultimately we have to recognize the us is a 20 plus trillion dollar market china is a 15 plus trillion dollar market we are 3 3 and a half trillion so obviously the opportunities will come at different times we have to have fundamental underlying economic growth first yeah i mean fair enough i mean your answer makes sense that it will take time for the market to get to a point where we will see that you know where someone does not need to go to the us to become the ceo of a global company and you'll eventually that will happen in india as well and i guess that's 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 the hope and since you mentioned deep tech coming on uh, is that an area that you've taken an interest in and alongside i would also want to tack on you know uh, sustainability and climate change and are these areas that interest you yeah so hari again i'm going to give a boring answer we are entrepreneur first investors <laughs> we, we we don't claim to be smart enough to predict what is coming next that 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 we learn from the entrepreneurs i mean i'll reframe my question i mean have you come across entrepreneurs who you see are doing really interesting things in in these areas of in course, india of course of course i mean look as a function of our vocation we see entrepreneurs doing all kinds of things i mean there are multiple space tech startups in india at this point right so there are no boundaries um there are boundaries till someone you know starts a company there right uh, but i would say i believe in the talent 
and desire of the Indian entrepreneur. We needed a market. The market has arrived. It will keep scaling. Different opportunities will emerge at dif- different stages in that evolution. Okay, let's uh, look at a few questions related more to takeaways from your own personal journey. If you look back, twenty-five years so far of the twenty-seven that you mentioned. Um, now looking back, what are some of the top takeaways which you feel really matter, and what are some of the things that might have originally thought you thought were important, but you realize that they were not really so important. Yeah, no. So, um, great question. I'll I'll answer it two three different ways. The first is, you know, we invest in the top less than one percent uh, of talent. I mean, the great companies are built by truly exceptional people. I think the part that no one talks enough about is the behaviors of these people are fundamentally different than everyone else. Your results in life are a function of your behaviors. If you want to make change at anything, you need to change your daily behavior. Otherwise, there's no result coming at the end of it. The very high quality entrepreneurs have different behaviors. Some may view it as odd. It's odd because a very small percentage of people have them. <laughs> so that's one. I'll, I'll also add more than anything else, the defining characteristic I've seen in the most successful people is very high clarity of thinking. The higher it is, probably the higher is the ceiling, um, or there is no ceiling. Um, from a personal standpoint and looking at investing and in being a, the investing business in general, um, I would say long-term orientation. I mean, I could have been extremely frustrated with India having been doing this for 25 years, right? There, there's another side to this. Long-term orientation, serious focus and passion, and consistent hard work. The difference between good and great is consistency. Can you do it every day? You're seeing... Uh, you know, our conference room is Roger Federer. Uh, he's a big hero. Roger Federer entered 24 Grand Slam semifinals in a row over six years. Means he was not sick one day. He didn't have a bad, bad match in the first five rounds. He was just that much better. But that's ultimately consistency of preparation and consistency of action, right? The truly defining characteristic of great is consistency. Everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, many people can do it for a period of time. Now, coming to the investing business, look, I'm a tech venture capitalist. It's about being in very large companies. They define the, um, they define the ecosystem, they define your fund. A lot of venture capitalists, uh, I, I don't believe as much in value addition. I think value addition, a, a deep desire for value addition results in adverse selection. I don't invest in people I can't help. I think people spend a lot of time fixing companies. You're much better off finding great companies. This, this business is about big winners. So your entire time and energy has to be spent on that process. Surprisingly, our very best companies take very little of our time. Uh, last thing as a professional in this business, 
for younger people in this business, I think the hardest thing is we are looking for a needle in a haystack. 99 days of out of 100, you don't know what you're doing, why you're doing it, because there's no result. If I'm a customer service agent at a call center for eight hours, I pick up the phone, I answer calls, and I feel like I did something at the end of the day. What am I doing in the investing business for 99 days? I didn't find a single good company for 99 days. But I need to have the same level of enthusiasm because a good one is coming on the 100th day. It takes 10 plus years from founding for a company to have a successful IPO and exit. It is not a straight, smooth line. Long-term persistence, hard work, I would say more than anything else, the ability to stay enthusiastic every day, despite 99 days not being giving you any reward. I think that's a really hard part of this business. That requires a lot of mental toughness. Excellent. Very nice. A lot of clarity there. Um, one quick data point I wanted to capture earlier. You're currently going to raise or in the process of raising your third fund, is it? No, uh, we we, are, we have Epic 1 and 2 uh, and over $300 million of capital. I think uh, third fund, uh, no, we are not raising at this point. We are very much uh, investing out of Epic Capital 2. Okay, okay. All right. Okay, um, sounds good. Um, kind of a standard question to wrap up. I mean, over the next 12, 18 months and, and based on everything that you said, that's probably a very short period of time. But I just want to get a sense of you know, if there are top priorities in your mind, you know, in that time. Hari, the answer was always, uh, was always the same. <laughs> um, we invest in exceptional entrepreneurs. Great companies are built at good and bad times. We are always searching for the next great exceptional entrepreneur. That's the job. Excellent. Thank you again, Rishi, for making time for me very generously. Really enjoyed the conversation and definitely hope to keep it going. Hari, my pleasure. Uh, really enjoyed the quality of conversation and your questions. Uh, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to interact with you and look forward to future interactions. Thank you for having me. That's it for this conversation. I'll be back soon with another episode of Startup Fridays. Until then, I hope you have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.